Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings and welcome to hell. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and I may have some controversial thoughts about Series 4. I am your other host, Ash Versus, and uh, if Luke's going to do the controversial takes, then I will attempt to be the voice of reason? <laughs> well, we'll certainly see how we get on with today's episode. This is the wrap-up episode for Series 4. And, I mean, maybe it's because you and I block-recorded a huge portion of Series 4. We recorded, like, the final six or seven episodes in the span of a couple of days just because I was going on paternity leave. I know it was, like, you know, ten episodes shorter than two and three, but it's just flown by. I think it also feels briefer because, and we'll get into this, there were less challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you think through Series 3, we were covering three games, four games, five games a show. You know, we were uh, doing some heavy lifting on the research point of view and covering a lot of ground, a lot of challenges and a lot of people. So in a lot of ways, Series 4 was easier, even if at times it was a slightly harder watch. Yeah, I, I think the back nine in particular of Series 4, once they had sort of figured out what they wanted the show to be. We'll, we'll, we'll get into this in just a little bit, because I think Series 4 is a very fascinating little beast. But when they got to the back nine, and they sort of worked out what the format of the show was, it did become much easier for you and I to record. Like, our, I think the first half of Series 4, our record times were two hours, two and a half hours. I think one of them we even did was three hours, which got massively cut down when we realized the way of the warrior was going to come up in a future episode. So we just cut all of that out and did it in, a, uh, did it in that episode. But that second half, the back nine, we were like, I don't know, hour, 
hour and a half, maybe? It felt like the old days. It did. I mean, part of that was because most of that back nine were recorded in Megablocks because you have baby. I do have a baby now. This is my first episode of the podcast where I am now a dad. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no, it's not. It's the second we've recorded, but it will be the first that we've released. Oh, there you're right. You're, I forgot. <laughs> yes, you're right, because we did record that episode while I was on paternity leave. I forgot about that. Yeah, that'll actually be next week's episode. So you, I, we'll talk about that at the end of this episode. But anyway, series four, general thoughts, Luke. So we went into series four. We interviewed Dominic Diamond. I don't know if we've mentioned that before, but we interviewed Dominic Diamond before we did series four. It's the final interview he's ever going to do by his words. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, so we went into series four with the knowledge that it had as tricky a production as series three did, but it, in slightly different ways. Series three's production was marred because the team championships was a bit of a, a legal nightmare when they got into the final episode because one of the challenges got completely balked on Rise of the Robots. There'll be more details about that in the oral history once that book comes out. And, you know, they had to change the location because the prison became a prison again. So the all of Series 3 was kind of like up in the air. But Series 4, like all of the difficulties they had in the production of Series 4 were pretty much by their own design because they did a bunch of challenges that clearly when they got into the edit, they didn't like, which meant that they changed the format of the show to be less about challenges to be more about news and features. Like, remember, like, the first episode of Series 4, there's no news in the episode. When we interviewed Dominic Diamond, I mentioned to him that you started doing uh, news in Series 4, and he's like, did we? And I was like, yeah, no, you did. It's not in the second episode. And he'd completely forgotten. He thought that was a Series 5 thing. So they started doing news, and they started doing more features, but they hadn't filmed links for any of those features. So it's like this weird Frankenstein creation of a series that really only finds its feet in its final few episodes. So it's not bad, but it is very messy. If we go back in time and we look at series one, and I think one of our feelings at the end of series one was this is a show finding its feet. It has a yeah. format established and everyone's getting comfortable. And also they were dealing with the fact that a lot of these kids weren't necessarily comfortable in front of the camera. There were so many times when Dominic was getting blood from a stone. Series two, they hit their stride. They knew what they were doing. It was not smooth running throughout, but they had the format down pat. They had the banter. Dominic was great in the role. The diamondisms flowed freely. Then they just... It was a good old time. Then series three, where they had a format mm -hmm. that worked. It was tried and tested by that point, but they didn't have the host it worked with. And I guess kind of out of a point of pride and also, I think at a little bit of pettiness. They kind of like tried to give it a, a bam with the spice weasel. They just kind of like tried to go, well, we're already in Flavortown. Let's go to Flavor City. But they over-egged the pudding just to keep the food analogies clashing together. They, they, they tried to do too much in the space available and it became a mess. Then you got to the team championships, which was an entirely new format and one that only really started to work in the last three episodes. We mentioned this before, but like that team championships did not need the celebrity challenges, nor did it need the consultation zone. Like it, that, that really like just it smegged everything up. Not in a half an hour time slot. If you made them an hour long, 100%. You'd have had time for everyone to breathe, including Dexter. Then we get to series four, which kind of starts going, and we're back to series two. But we know 
that that is not the show that Dominic wanted it to be. And it's not the show that it becomes. That battle, and we'll find this out more when the book comes out, but that battle clearly took place in the edit bay. And by the end of series four, the show did feel a bit more comfortable. Some bits of the format jarred because we were used to three seasons of going opening, first challenge, reviews, whereas now we have opening, intro to first challenge, news, first challenge, reviews. Then start of the celebrity challenge, then the ad break. Yeah. Or sometimes there will be a feature in there. But you can now see the magazine format that will start Series 5. Series 5 is definitely a case of, okay, we got through the kind of difficult third lineup kind of reunion of Series 4, and now starting Series 5, we kind of know what we want to be. Dominic certainly knows what he wants the show to be. And it reminds me of when we did talk with him, and we were excited about Season 4. And he was like, no, it's a shit show. Season four is raw, unadulterated me. And I think season four is pretty shit as a result. <laughs> and we were defending it. And I will still defend it. But I can see why he's unhappy with it. Yeah. There are moments where you'll think, oh, that could have done with being fixed in post with some looping. That could have done with a second take. Uh, captions wrong. All the hallmarks of things being rushed it's uh when you watch the first episode of series five like while i was on paternity leave i watched through all of series five and half of series six i was basically sort of like getting myself like acquainted uh with those episodes and when i go back and re-watch them i can just sort of go straight into my notes um phase and you watch the first couple of episodes of series five and it all of a sudden like a light bulb goes off and you're like aha this is what dom was trying to make series four in the edit or you know dom and the production team this is this is the show they were trying to make with the rushes they had of series four that was trying to be series two. And it makes so much more sense in series five. Like, you know, one of the things that we didn't mention, well, I suppose we, you know, we'll probably mention it when we do the Gore special details on that at the end of this episode, but that is the last consultation zone. It's done now. It's gone. Our namesake of this show is done with. It's not. And it was about like five episodes into series five. I suddenly went, huh, there's no consultation zone anymore. Like I hadn't, I hadn't realized that it had gone. We had so many like final appearances in this series. Final appearance of Steve Merritt. Final appearance of Tim Tucker, Adrian Price, Brad Burton, Joss Bilson. It's the final appearance of Frank O'Connor, who's been with the show since series one. We are like going into a new era now of, of Games Master, where it is proper that magazine style format. It's Dominic Diamond, you know, he did the free previews of the book, right? And there's a quote from him like that. I'm paraphrasing it ever so slightly, where he was like, I can't get other work as a TV presenter because I'm just seen as the games master guy. I'm just seen as the video games guy. So we're now making it a magazine style show so I can show other people I can be a light entertainment presenter and I can do other work. And that's what Series 5 onwards basically becomes. And it is a much tighter show after that. It also, as weird as Series 1 through 4 got, it gets weird. Oh yeah, there's, there are some challenges in Series 5 that are absolute bobbins absolute toilet but you know we're gonna have fun talking about them because there are some that are brilliant like they 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 strike the balance of like brilliant and terrible and you see some semblance of that in series four i feel like we're doing a bit more of a preview of series five than we're a wrap-up of series four but like there's there's some moments in series four where you can see there's there's a seed here that is planted and sprouts in series five's challenges 
And I think I know at least one of those challenges that you're talking about. But shall we move on to our likes and our dislikes, our favourite challenges? This was not a series of challenges. We, you know, we discussed this sort of earlier on because I think they had made it to be a challenge-based show and then decided in the edit they actually wanted it to be more of a feature-based show. So we lose a lot of challenges. And kind of as a result, some of the challenges that they do aren't all that great. But I did have a few that I wanted to pick out as my particular favorites, my highlights. But the, my, the first four that popped into my head that I wrote down was Road Rash from episode two, when they were full on 3DO promotion. And it was like, it was really cool seeing that version of Road Rash. It was a really fun challenge. The Donkey Kong Country speedrun of level one from episode six, I particularly enjoyed for the jamminess of it, the Echo 2 challenge that was in episode five, and the sort of madness of that episode as well. So the madness of that challenge, rather. But for me, I think my favorite challenge, the one that I laughed at the most and had the most fun with, was episode eight, Power Drive. The challenge was you had to complete these sort of four different driving challenge things, and every single one of them bollocks it at the exact same point. And it was so, so funny. Melvin, now you actually got very, very close, but we're still not going to give you a joystick anyway. Is that okay? No, I should, I should get it. Why? Because I'm the most funniest. Uh, I think you'll find that's the British Comedy Awards. Actually, that's a, that's a different show. And like everyone just felt like they were having such fun doing that challenge. So I think it might, for the, the most fun I had... That is probably my favourite challenge of the episode, of the series. What about you? I put the entire Donkey Kong special down because I actually loved both of those challenges, both Donkey Kong Classic and Donkey Kong Country. I kind of wish they'd found a way to make the celebrity challenge also Donkey Kong based, even if it had just been like some sort of Mario Kart based thing. That could have worked. The one you didn't mention, and it's one that I think is a big indicator for what we get coming up more often in Series 5, is Jimmy White versus the computer. My next challenge is on Jimmy White's snooker on the Mega Drive. The contestant had to prove his superiority by pocketing the balls on a real snooker table before the Mega Drive clears its own computer version. The human player should have the advantage when it comes to obtaining shots, but be warned, the computer never misses. We, we talked about this off mic um, uh, last week about this you know, does this does this belong in the celebrity category or the challenge category? Because really, it's both. Because Jimmy's great, but that challenge rules. I mean, it was the second appearance for Jimmy White. He'd appeared way on back in series one, episode five, I think. And essentially, he turned up for commentary and to click a button. That trick shot is still one of the funniest things in Games Pass. Like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. Cannot believe he clicked the button. That episode was also the one that gave us the name for our Worst Celebrity Award because that was also an episode with Ashley Pask on it. But now he's back, he's in this challenge, and he's actually facing off against a computer. This is kind of like a chess master playing like Deep Blue or whatever the name of the chess computer was. And a couple of things are notable, one of which is it's a race against time against a computer playing the game of his namesake, Whirlwind Snooker. Whilst he tries to complete the same setup, on an actual snooker table, which has been wedged into hell. It looks like it's not exactly the most comfortable or easy of playing positions for him to be in. It wasn't the crucible. No, certainly wasn't the crucible. More like the crucifix, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, very nice. But the other thing that I think it's notable for is 
Jimmy White looks like a rock god. He's got the shirt, the waistcoat, the leather jeans, or they certainly look like leather jeans. Yeah, he, he looks like he's ready to go on tour with Deep Purple or Pink Floyd or one of the above. The gimmick, which is man versus computer, it's phenomenal. On paper, it doesn't sound exciting, but as the clock ticks on and as you see the challenge progress and as the kind of the balance goes back and forth as to who's ahead and who's not and mistakes are made, it is gripping television. And regardless of celebrity, it's my favourite challenge of the of the series. There was quite a few gimmick challenges in series four because you had like, you know, uh, the booger man with the vibrating pad things as well that's meant to like uh, vibrate when he farts and this and the other. They had the lad um, playing the golf game and things like that. But of the gimmick challenges, this was easily the best one. As you say, it was completely gripping television. I yeah, I loved it. Like I had, I, I wanted to have that down as well for me. I've got, I've got Jimmy White down as a potential uh, award for my favorite celebrity. But yeah, to echo your sentiments, really, really great challenge. The gimmick challenges that involved hardware were pretty much all crap, and that's something yeah. that's mostly been consistent in Games Master. I'm sure we all remember the voice activated headset. Bang, mm-hmm. bang, bang. Yeah. Oh yeah. This to me, my brain actually forgot that it was really technically a gimmick challenge because for me it was just a great challenge. It was Krypton Factor-esque. It was a really, really good and fun challenge. And it was some redemption for Jimmy White. Now he will definitely be elevated above the Ashley Pask kind of like realm. Well, speaking of Ashley Pask, um, we haven't got to the worst celebrity just yet, but let's talk about our least favourite challenges from Series 4. I mentioned this earlier that Series 4 got rid of a lot of challenges. They clearly filmed a bunch and then didn't use them because they got into the edit and decided that they didn't think it was worth putting on TV. With that said, we got some butt challenges on this show. And I think part of the problem with some of the challenges, it's less of the game. It's more of the people playing them. They got a lot of Kevin the Teenagers in for this series of the show who were playing games that they didn't want to play. Uh, I look towards episode nine, Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi. And those two kids were like, don't like Star Wars, think it's rubbish, this game's crap, don't want to play it. And as a result, the challenge is really bad. But we had like a bunch of really like kind of bad challenges in this in this series. Some of which actually were celebrity-based as well. David Coulter playing Super Karts, not a great challenge. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't particularly like the Twisted Challenge let loose with vid grids but for me the ones that i'm leaning more towards of like the challenges i like the least were the boring ones and i think the one that i'm going to give it to though was another celebrity challenge and it was i, I actually forgotten what who the celebrity was as well but it was chaos control on the philips cdi mm. where you don't you get points for doing nothing and like man it was boring really really dull that was Series 4, Episode 11. That was the same episode that gave us TV golf as well. And the celebrity in question was CJ Lewis, who won that challenge with his That's only it. real gaming experience being an old school LCD single title game called Helicopter Rescue. Mark, oh dear. You know, you get points as long as you stay alive in that. Yeah. yeah. And although you got a score of 2095, you didn't actually hit one thing. What went wrong? ask me i don't know (laughs) well mark all i can say is unfortunately you didn't match your brother's playing prowess so it's just back to the cage mark denton and no i don't think we should applaud no applause no applause because that was hopeless yeah it was a 
a boring, boring challenge. Actually, I think Nova Storm might have been a bit more boring because it was also impossible to see, but that's not the fault of the, the, you know, that's just third generation VHS. And really, I think you and I are both in agreement here. Buggy Ball is the worst challenge. <laughs> you know, I think by Series 4 own admission, Buggy Ball is the worst challenge. They literally stop it halfway through. But I mean, what did you have down on your list? I mean, I actually disqualified Buggy Ball just because we never actually saw it to completion. And I kind of get the feeling that they knew it was going to be a right dog's dinner. When we get to the gore special, the look on Dominic Diamond's face when Robocop walks out and then they add in all of that voiceover and going like, I told the production team this would be crap. We're not doing it. Like that is essentially what happens with Buggy Ball, only it was like on TV and we saw half the challenge. Yeah, I would argue we probably saw half of their fifth or sixth attempt at the challenge. Yeah, But with Buggy Ball disqualified, I went for the combo of the worst source game with the worst challenge, and I went for Way of the Warrior on the 3DO. Final challenge I prepare is on the grunge fest to come up, Way of the Warrior on the 3DO. The characters I've chosen, Shaky Jake and Fox, are a disagreeable pair, but their repertoire of special moves should ensure an entertaining bout of fisticuffs. As usual, players have three rounds to prove who's the dirtiest fighter because the challenge was bad, the gameplay was bad, Dave Perry saying it was his favourite beat-em-up was bad. That's a lie, Dave. That's a lie and you know it was. If it wasn't a lie and it was the truth, that's actually worse. <laughs> but this is a series which had your Street Fighters, your Mortal Kombat. Your Clay Fighter too. Yeah, that is how bad Way of the Warrior is. I'm ranking it above the Clay Fighter 2 challenges or rather ranking it below. Yeah, exactly. A challenge as well, lest we forget, that the guy who was playing it wasn't even looking at the screen. He literally held up the pad and was just pressing one button and was mocking the fact that he wasn't doing anything like, and he was still winning. We had a lot of fun talking about Way of the Warrior as a game and how they made it and the production cycle. And we had so much fun, we actually technically talked about it twice. One time it made it into the episode. But it's like me in films. Some of my favourite films to talk about are bad films. Not because they're bad films, but because of the production history involved. Same with Way of the Warrior, but it is a terrible, terrible game. It's a terrible challenge. Everyone involved in it should feel bad. Well, let's get into some more positives again as we award the Annabelle Croft Award for our favourite celebrity, the best celebrity of Series 4. I knew who you were going to pick before you'd even told me who you were going to pick. I was like, I already know who Ash has got down for this, so I'm going to pick out someone different. In fact, actually, Ash, do you want to just go first? Because we, I, I think you and I are in agreement, this is the best celebrity. It's got to be Stars and Stripes. It's got oh, to yeah. be the Patriot and Marcus Bagley. Sorry, Bagwell. <laughs> I would say they are the best professional wrestlers that we have had on Games Master. Now, that's not to besmirch Macho Man Randy Savage, but Macho Man came on did Macho Madness all over the joint, failed to really play the game, and then cut a promo and won us all over just by being his madness. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, here to play Super Nintendo's WrestleMania, terrible at the game, but immensely entertaining. Kendo Nagasaki, moving on. Mm -hmm. Stars and Stripes, they came on, they cut pretty good promos in the face of Dominic's derision. 
Oh yeah, like th that's what I love about this is Dominic. They come on and Dominic's just like, well, "You're a bunch of twats, aren't you?" And I'm going to make fun of you. And then they come on and be like, "Actually, we're awesome, and we're just going to cut really good promos on you, and also briefly terrify you by Nerly doing a actually quite dangerous wrestling move on you." Hilarity ensued. Not the last time Dominic would nearly fall foul of a wrestler either. Marcus, I want to talk about the special moves that you guys do in the ring. What's, what's your speciality? Well, uh, my special move in the ring is called a cradle suplex, and I can show you how that's done if you want me to. Please do. I was hoping you, you would. Okay. Do you like to see it done? Yeah. Oh, Dominic? Yeah. Are you okay. sure? I'm very hard. Okay, I'll put you down like this right here. Yep. Have your hand over uh -huh. here. I grab your leg like this. This I is very nice, actually. And then like this, we're going to go. You ready? Yep. You sure? Wait, no, don't be all over, no. Okay, no, no I think I've seen enough of that, actually, yeah. Okay. I, may, I may have sounded a bit scared there, but I wasn't, actually. actually not the slightest. I end up over there. Yes. yes. On your back. But I, I think we got, we got the point of that one. Okay. But where they differentiated themselves from their predecessors on Games Master from the wrestling world, they cut good promo, but bugger me, they also actually practiced the game. This, for a fighting game challenge was better than most all other fighting game celebrity challenges. In fact, this fighting game challenge was up there with almost any of the fighting game challenges that we have, That unless they involve like self-professed fighting game experts. These guys took the time to learn the mechanics, learn some moves, and put the game over as well as putting themselves over. And it wasn't even a sponsored game. It's not like it was the latest like WWF title or WCW title. I mean, there wasn't really a WCW title for them to be playing at the time. They just came on. They did a great job. They had a great time. They put each other over. They put the show over. They put the game over. And, well, yes, Buff Bagwell had an immensely troubled career to follow, is a very troubled individual, and depending on where you want to attribute it, a bit of a dickhead. Here, him and his compatriot or just, you know, the Patriot, they were great. They were so yeah. entertaining. They were so likeable. They knew that they were kind of cheesy because, you know, Stars and Stripes, this is full-on comic book WCW era before they kind of went edgy and the NWO came in. But they believed in it, or at least they convinced us they believed in it, and that that made a real difference. Well, that's the thing with, with Del Wilkes, the Patriots, is that, while it is, you know, it's quite cheesy, you know, they are stars and stripes and stuff, Dell believed it. Like, Dell believed he was the, the most patriotic man. He was the patriot. He took that gimmick with him to the WWF because he liked being this all-American man who believed in the American dream. And you too can be the American dream if you just follow your ways of stars and stripes. He loved doing all of that stuff, speaking through the mask in that. And because he does that, you know, and like Series 4 tried to make fun of him because they started playing that patriotic music underneath and was just like, oh, well, now we'll go to an ad break, I guess. It still works because Dell knows how to do that promo. Well, without this mask, I consider myself just an individual competitor, just another wrestler. But when I put the mask on, not only do I all of a sudden take on and represent the hopes and dreams of all great Americans, but all great patriots across the world. You see, patriotism is just not excluded to America. It's all over the world. So it's the hopes and dreams, the work ethic, the hard work, the right way of doing things of all the great people across the world. Okay, while I get all anthemic with the Stars and Stripes, we'll take you to a quick break. And I think the, I, those two overcome Series 4 trying to make them look silly. It says a lot that I actually had a lot harder time for Series 4 choosing my least favourite. Same here. But that's further ahead. Luke, apart from Stars and Stripes, who was your favourite? Easily for me. Episode 4, 
PJ and Duncan. Okay, PJ, uh, how, yes. how do we rumble then? Rumble? Yeah. You know it, Dominic. Don't no, I don't. Show me how to the left like that. Because we're, 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 we're all ready to do it now. And that's okay. it. That's it, really. We showed you in rehearsals. You paid us to show <laughs> you in rehearsals. He's much better than us at this, I tell you. Because <laughs> the, the single was a, was a massive hit. Was there, I'll ask you, Duncan, the other members of Biker Grove, did they hate you all because of the success of the single? Yeah, pretty much so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did they? Yeah. Is that because they're just generally like losers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no comment. Because <laughs> that, that girl with the ginger hair, she really hates you. Oh, yeah, she hates Declan. <laughs> I tell you. Let's get ready. They were fully formed as Ant and Deck already. I know they kind of tripped over themselves by calling each other by their shoot names when they were still on there as PJ and Duncan, but like Brad Burton doing the rap, them doing like showing them how to do the dance and sending the other, being thrown into the cage afterwards because they were so bad at Street Racer. I I loved these two on the show. They, they were so much fun. And it was, it's really nice to see prototype Anton Deck, but already be fully formed Anton Deck. And I think they had great passer with Dominic Diamond. Um, it was one of the few challenges where we really got to see Brad Burton properly, not just being voiced over by someone else during commentary. Brad, you know every single word to Let's Get Ready to Rumble, don't you? Dominic, chill out, man. Chill out. Look, listen, your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, everyone's got to be an AK lover. <laughs> he does. He does as well. All right, listen. I, I, uh, yeah, I loved those two. They really, really enjoyed them on the show. Although if Dill Wilkes had caught them breaking kayfabe, it would have been all over, mate. It would have been, it would have been curtains for those two. They get the number one spot for me as my favourite celebrity, but just feel when they get thrown into the cage and he says, Craigie misses. Moving on to the Ashley Pask Award. Mm-hmm. The worst celebrity. It was hard this year because there weren't any really bad celebrities. I mean, let's let's talk about um, celebrities that kind of their career just ended before season four had even ended. Let's talk about Let Loose. They didn't have a star-studded career. We had a bit of a joke at their expense, but they were fun on camera. Yeah, they weren't. Ba- they weren't terrible. No, they had a good old time. They kind of knew they were setting themselves up for a ribbing. And I think I said at the time, I'd like to go down the pub with these guys. I reckon there'd be a right laugh over a couple of pints. They'd have some good jokes, some good banter. They know that they're being marketed as something they quite, they aren't quite. So when even the bad celebrities are good, where do you go? Luke, where did you go? A lot of the people that we had on this series, celebrities, I should say, a lot of the celebrities we had on series four were either really, really good, but a lot of them were just sort of were there. You know, we had stars from uh, Emmerdale Farm. We had stars from Neighbours and Home and Away who were just sort of there. Like, you know, like the football people we had for the FIFA tournament. They were just there. You know, Vinnie Jones, Andy Townsend, they were just there. Casey Geller was just there. So for me, this is a bit of a cop-out as well. Oh, I reckon we've gone the same direction. Have you got Michael Jackson and Macaulay Culkin? Okay. All right, Michael, how's the wife? She's fine, thanks. Good. Uh, now we're going to hear the pitter patter of tiny feet around Neverland. Well, if I get back fast enough, maybe. All right then. Thank you, Michael McCauley. Tell me, what does a young, spoiled, cute-looking American, snot-nosed, lovely little brat like you do with all that money? I'll probably spend it on sweets that'll rub my mind and my teeth. Yeah. Oh no. Same episode. I've got John Major. Sorry, sorry. John Major. Major. Yeah. Bucky O'Hare is. I should say. Yeah. Michael Jackson and Carly Culkin. Bucky O'Hare is for them as well, just because it was it was a mad, awkward interaction. 
and it's it's not it's not pretty in hindsight but like that episode is yeah it, it's not great for its celebrities and i think that speaks quite highly of series four that my least favorite celebrity on the show weren't celebrities they were celebrity impersonators i mean my justification behind choosing john major is kylie she tried to look like kylie she kind of tried to sound like kylie she was a kylie lookalike and an impersonator uh fake that they were a tribute band so even if they didn't necessarily look or sound much like them on Games Master. They were making a living being a Take That tribute. Uh, the Michael Jackson impersonator uh, did the look, did the voice. Uh, the Macaulay Culkin one didn't really, but he's also a kid. Yeah, he was just doing, he was just being British. Yeah. But the John Major guy, and I said this in the episode, this is a guy who works in accounts and someone else in accounts went, you look a bit like John Major. And he's like, oh, do I? And he turns up and he doesn't even try to sound like John Major or behave like John Major. And uh, now, Mr. Major, sir, uh, you haven't changed your image. Why not? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I thought the suspicion you might say that. And when he gets asked to actually talk and interact with Dom, it's very much a rabbit in the headlights kind of look. And it's not like doing a John Major impression is that difficult. Yeah. We all did them at school at the time, you know, it's like, oh, it's a very boring voice and I'm John Major, that kind of thing. I mean, that impersonation now would still better than what this guy did because this guy did nothing. Yeah. But I think that's one of my... Not one of my big things about Series 4, but one of my big disappointments of Series 4 is that there was no good Christmas episode this year. You know, Series 2 had a really good Christmas episode. Series 3 had a great Christmas episode. Not a very good Christmas episode for Series 4, with the exception of a feature. But I'm going to get to that in a second. I was going to say that the, the feature and kind of the linking material. The linking material was very high quality because of one of my favourite aspects of Series 4, the goblins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, let's actually you know, let's move on to our favorite feature then, because it was high on my list of favorite features. It is from that Christmas special. It's the trip to the store to talk about what games you should be getting for Christmas, and quite importantly, going to what would become CEX. Now, all this official stuff's very well and good, but if you're an impatient young pup who longs to get their hands on some foreign elements, the best thing to do is to visit one of this country's quality import shops, like this one. Furthest away from me, wearing Ridge Racer pants, is the Sony PlayStation, costing 750 quid. There's about four games available for it. Closest to me, wearing Virtua Fighter flavoured pants, we have the Sega Saturn. That weighs in at 600 notes, and there's about seven games available. So why are they so expensive? I mean, people will be watching this at home, the toes curling at 750 quid, 600 quid. Why is it so much? Well, basically, um, Sony don't want to launch this product as with Sega in this country, so we had to go out ourselves to Japan and go to retail shops in Japan and buy them there. You can't get them in Japan right now. You can't get them anywhere. They sold out in Japan within 24 hours. So um, we, this price has to be as it is. It will drop dramatically over the next three weeks when supply overcomes demand. I loved that feature so, so much. We got to see Dominic Diamond in a real-life setting. We got to see the goblins in a real-life setting as well, terrorizing the place. And shoplifting. It was so funny, being so careful with those display cabinets they had for the Saturns and the Playstations and that. It was so wonderful. Speaking of Dominic Diamond being in real places, the Mortal Kombat set visit was another highlight for me. And the Ridge Racer and Virtual Fighter. I think Virtual Fighter was sort of in the news. But when they had that import Saturn come in and they went round to that lad's house at like half past five 
without like their proper filming equipment to get this gonzo style like first look at virtual fighter on the saturn that's the stuff i really really loved in series four rich race from particularly because that was like a proper turning point for series four and games master as a whole that ridge racer thing is is incredible like proper last minute getting this into the edit so bad influence don't do it first dominic really saw them as the competition and like you know it was like woe betide if they get some breaking news before we do the christmas special uh the shopping feature was absolutely my favorite because so many of the features are snapshots of a time whether it's the set visits, the breaking technology, the new technology, the perspective technology, they're all snapshots of where we were, where we could be going. But that Christmas shopping feature was tangible because even though I wasn't a regular in London at that point, I know Rathbone Place. I know that HMV or where that HMV was. And I know that my HMV, where I grew up, looked like that. And it was a real beautiful contextual moment. It's the same when I see films that are made in London in the 50s and 60s. And I'm like, I know there. I've walked there. I've been in that building, stuff like that. So for me, that Christmas shopping thing was just very special and just warmed my heart. And that's not to say that the other features weren't good. Particularly if you include the news in there as well. Yeah. And one of my favorite things is that at no point did it really feel like they overly compromised their integrity for the sake of the features. They could be showing you the latest in what's going to be coming to interactive television, and they could have been granted all sorts of access to that and being given all sorts of sneak looks behind the scenes, still going to rip the piss out of it. Well, in speaking of, the Naked and Begging Award for Worst Feature of Series 4, what did you have down? I think we might be the same on this one as well. Football sim. I'm, I'm Rick, and I'm a football manager, a holic, and uh, basically I play them until about four in the morning, every morning, and I see myself as really the, the new Aussie Ardelis, really. That bloke's bird's not going to be too chuffed, because apart from his tragic facial hair, there's a whole batch of stat-filled choose your team, it's a game of two half-type thingies about to be released. So, to honour our FIFA soccer final, and because football is even better than birds, this is the beginner's guide to football management games. As Aussie Idealist knows, picking the right team is essential. You want a nice blend of skill and brawn with no Mickey Hazard. Players are rated in categories such as passing, heading and flashness of motor. I want good, hard stats in game. The stats I want to know is, can a defender tackle? Can a midfielder pass? And more importantly, can a striker put the ball in the back of the net? Yes. I mean, I know uh, Rick does listen to this show, uh, so apologies for this uh, for, for to Rick, but... It's not a good feature. It's a weak ending to that episode, and it's proper ass. Like, if that had gone in the tail end of the news section, I think I'd be less down on it. But it was just a weird ending to the episode, and just, just an oddly put-together feature. I'm biased because I'm not a football sim guy, but as an ending to an episode goes, it's like, well, that left me really flat. I'm not sure what it was trying to accomplish. Like a lot of the fudged in features that we got, I understood why they were there. But that one, I still don't really know what they were trying to get out of it. Because even by the end of it, it doesn't feel like they've told you what is the best football manager sim to play. No, it, it, it's kind of why to me it feels like it's a leftover and finally from the news section. And then they decided either a challenge wasn't working or maybe another feature that they originally wanted to put in wasn't ready. Could have been one of the set visits 
from like Mortal Kombat or Lord Mower Man 2 or something or the street or they didn't have the footage from the Street Fighter movie to use. And so boom, that one went in and dropped. Because the only other options I had for worst feature, and it's only really because there wasn't much to say about it, um, was the feature they had on the 11th hour in episode 15 and Dom's visit to the new breed set from episode 12. But I didn't want to put new breed down because we got a really interesting discussion out of that. The unmade game that new breed was and how they're kind of still looking to try and get that done now in 2021. So I think we're, we're in agreement. Football Sim is definitely the worst feature of the series. But just to have another side of that coin, I will put down 11th hour, if only because just a bit of nothing, really. And again, it was right at the end of the episode and it just sort of was a weak ending. Another leftover from the news section. Exactly, I mean, I suppose yeah. I didn't consider the 11th hour feature because, I mean, that is kind of my jam. Horror, FMV. Oh, no, I, I love that. Love it. It's just the feature did nothing. Yeah, that was a bit of an odd one as well. But as we covered earlier in the episode, they're still kind of like reshaping what it means to be Games Master at this point, what the show is going to be. But yeah, I wouldn't have put that football sim feature at the end. I'd have still put it in the show. I think it could have sat elsewhere. And while it may have been a bit of a lull, it wouldn't have ended the episode poorly. Well, let's just have a quick short break now. We've got a couple of more awards to hand out, including the Diamondism Award for Favourite Dick Joke of the Series. Uh, but we'll have a quick ad break now and we'll have your listener feedback for Series 4. We'll see you in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ah! 
Let's get into your feedback from this series. Uh, this first bit of feedback comes in from Nut TNC, who is uh, a very popular person on our Discord, often posting things in there. And this is what uh, they had to say about this. The format of Games Master Series 4, similar to Series 2, but with a few tweaks. I looked at Dave Perry's mannerisms until, until I couldn't tell it was actually just a bit bad. Video games review on Games Master Series 4, personally, I think it was a bit good, including the consultation zone. Dom is back, but I did sort of look at him as a bit of a bad joke. His favorite episode was the Donkey Kong special, and the worst one was episode 15 because of that cringy argument between the two kids. And he also says that the best celebrity was Stars and Stripes or Jimmy White, the worst being let loose, which I think is slightly, slightly unfair. Uh, but thank you to Nut for your bit of feedback there. We have people that grew up with Games Master in the UK, then emigrated. We have people that have discovered it afterwards on YouTube. But as far as I know, Nut is our only listener in Thailand. And the fact that we have a listener in Thailand blows my mind, absolutely blows my mind. And a valued and vibrant part of our Discord community, always dropping links, always having fun. Probably the person that knows the most about Games Master fonts on the fan side next to me. I was about to say, bloody loves a font, does old Oh, he loves a font and he loves a typeface and he loves a design element. And uh, yeah, definitely really nice to hear from him for this season because I think this is the first time he sent feedback in. It is, yeah. So yeah, look forward to hearing from you in future. Ian McGarry is up next. He wrote in and he said, great podcast, been listening since the first episode. Growing up watching Games Master, I stopped midway during Series 3. I didn't know how much of my enjoyment of the show was down to Dominic and his influence on the production. Season 3 in comparison was a disconnect for me. It wasn't Dexter's fault, but it felt for me that something was missing and in turn was very underwhelming. I didn't know Dominic was coming back to the show until I saw the adverts for Series 4. This blew my tiny prepubescent mind. Oh wow, now I feel old. <laughs> to me, this was the biggest return since Return of the Jedi, Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Mac. I ate it all up. I was hooked again. Dominic was back with all of his mates and Dave Perry. <laughs> was it the greatest comeback since Lazarus? No, that would be Rocky Balboa beating Ivan Drago. But the season was still better to watch than that weird subplot in Rocky Four, where Paulie had that robot butler. Man, everyone hates on that robot butler. Well, I mean, like Sylvester Stallone is doing the director's cut of Rocky Four, and he's cutting the robot out of it. I disagree with Sly Stallone greatly on this one. I think it's just because the robot butler was a better actor. <laughs> anyway, back to the feedback. Season four was Dom in full, too cool for school, grumpy teenager mode, which admittedly created some uneven content throughout the season. But this was him laying down his marker and putting his stake in the ground. Yes, a diamondism. And he was off to the races with or without you. Some might have been put off with the direction of the show, but in the end, for me, it was always a show about games. But also it was mainly about Dominic Diamond and how many knob gags he could fit in. And I was all the way in. A couple of other diamondisms there. Thanks again for a great show, guys. It's very much appreciated. From Dominic Diamond and Danny Bear's Love Child. Thank you so much for that feedback, uh, Ian. I believe that's actually Ian's first bit of feedback as well. So very nice to see some new faces uh, in the feedback section. Although I will say this is our lightest feedback we've had for a season. We had, so, I mean, probably unsurprisingly, so much more for Series 3 because people had a lot of thoughts on Series 3. Uh, so thank you very much for that. But frequent feedback giver, uh, Misha is next up, who says, Series 4 is often said to be the one which was fully Dominic Diamond. But it's also the one where Dave Perry embraces some of the more unpleasant aspects of his game animal character. It's interesting to see the friction between him and Dom really kicking up a gear, especially in hindsight. 
How much was hashtag banter? And how much was the two genuinely developing a dislike? Also, production. Frantic, high-octane, no-redo stuff was traditionally the hallmark of Series 3, but you can see in Series 4 some frankly horrific audio botches that, in the modern era, would have had pickups done. Could they not afford the extra venue time? Did the diamonding extend to production quality? Where was Mr. Finch in all of this? I remember watching the series first run and being annoyed by the increases in features at the expense of challenges in the consultation zone. Watching back, I appreciate the features more, although that could simply be a reflection on which ones aged well and which ones didn't, and the after-the-fact hilarity that ensues, although I'd still like to have seen more games being played. There was a mention on Twitter of someone who was apparently on the show got a joystick, but his segment never made it to air. Anyway, enough rambling. Massive credit to the pair of you for turning out such good C every week, and the usual shout-outs to the Discord gang. Here's to Series 5, Series 8, and everything in between. That good C as well is a very deep-cut reference to uh, my week to week my day-to-day uh wrestle talk jobs such good c it's a shorthand of saying such good content oh i thought you meant like oranges no no no. it's, it's such good c um that actually that, that chap on twitter who did the challenge and won from what we can gather like speaking with him the challenge was meant to be an impossible challenge that no one could beat, and he won and he thinks that's why it was cut we, we did try and get an interview with him as well but we just never found the time maybe it's something that we'll look into like at a late day because we've actually been approached by I think two or three other people who were in series four, including the jammy beggar from the Echo the Dolphin challenge. Um, so maybe that's something we'll try and look to, at sort of down the line. But thank you very much, Misha, for the feedback nonetheless. Uh, you mentioned the Echo the Dolphin challenge, and I do want to give a special shout out to that person because that was apparently his own 3DO shirt because we commented oh. on it at the time. And yeah, I, I, you know what? I still reckon... It's better than the golden joystick because if you want a golden joystick, you can go out, buy the golden joystick, get it metal plated, fine, no problem done. You try getting a 3DO shirt nowadays, Luke. It's not easy. It's not. Well, let's get into uh, everyone's favorite award from the wrap up episodes the Diamondism Award for our favorite dick joke. Now, these are becoming less and less frequent as Games Master goes on. It's funny how people remember like the dick jokes as being a big part of Games Master, but it sort of gets phased out as the show goes on. And then that we get pants instead, and then pants starts to be phased out of the show as well by the time we get to Series 7. But it didn't feel like Series 4 had a massive amount of them. No, and in fact, uh, if we if we skirt around the uh, celebrity Christmas special, because, yeah, let's just not go near that particular one, um, it kind of came towards the end of the series when it did appear. I think we are going to get more innuendo in Series 5, because... Dom's got the angels and uh, there are certain comments there, which I'm sure will make an appearance during our write-up of series five at the end of that run. They're just less subtle, I suppose. Because series one was very much just like a, a here is a joke I can make about the joystick. And by size of series five, he's basically just like, the angels suck me off. It's still amazing they got away with it pre-Watershed. <laughs> but there were a couple of occasions where, deliberate or otherwise, there were some definite knob jokes in this series And amazingly, my choice has nothing to do with Dominic Diamond and everything to do with Sir Patrick Moore, who, when being asked by a small girl for help on Earthworm Jim, makes a comment. Games Master, can I get a level select for Earthworm Jim on the Mega Drive? You're having trouble with your little worm, are you? Try this. I mean, clearly Patrick had no idea he was responding to a girl, but it is just like a case of jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) you want to talk about stuff that wouldn't get aired today i'm fairly certain that wouldn't 
For me, I'm going to episode 16, the Wiz Challenge, which actually was a, it was a bit of a front runner for one of my favorite challenges because it was a lot of fun, that challenge, particularly because it's a game that didn't exist, uh, really. Um, but it's Jason Pickford talking about pumping. And, well, I mean, he's talking about just lifting iron, but Dominic Diamond wants to talk about pumping. Right, Jason Pickford is just about to play Wiz. Jason's pumping 20 to 30 on the legs, 160 on the arms. Uh, Joss Bilson is helping me out. Joss, uh, what do you, do you pump? Were you asking him? Perhaps. That entire section talking about the gym and the posing room was just a goldmine for Dominic. It's just like, it was jackpot on a slot machine. He could have probably done another five to ten. He had a routine ready, yeah. Or it was ready to go in the pocket. You know how they always talk about stand-up comedians, you, you work on your solid five to ten. That, that Dominic, that, that, that's just kind of the cue that you could give Dom and boom, he's off to the races. But we'll see how it goes. We may have to retire this category next year. And we may do. We'll see how we get on with Series 5. Or, re- or rename it. Re-brand yeah, or rename it. it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. One of the awards that definitely will be sticking around, though, is unfortunately the worst moments of Series 4. Previously been won by Dave Perry, brackets general. Um, <laughs> I think, for me, my worst moment of Series 4, as an overall thing, it, I kind of what echo what Misha said, cancelling challenges for the sake of features. And I wanted to watch some of these challenges. I think that is really my overall worst moment, but if I was to single something out, and I think you and I slightly disagree on this, but I'm pretty sure the the rest of Discord is on my side. It's the two kids arguing, the two cringy (laughs) kids arguing about girlfriends and the little crap fake fight that they do. Right, Lee, we'll start with you. Before the show, we said to you, who's your favorite babe? And you said Emma. Now, who, who is Emma? It's just someone I know, and I ain't seen her. Nothing, it's just someone I know. You're not seeing her? She's not a girlfriend or that? No. Yes, she is. She ain't. Oh, she is a girlfriend? Yes, she is. Like your 12-year-old girlfriend. Shut up! Oh, that was, no, that was, that was a lie, that was a lie. Forget about like, it. That was an accident. He always starts with accident. his 12-year-old That was girl. an accident. Accident, she's about that tall. That was an accident. No, that ain't fair, that ain't fair. I don't think we need to do the challenge. I think we should just time you guys arguing. He said what? It was in the dark, how should I know? <laughs> It's so awkward and it's like it genuinely makes my skin crawl with how awkward it is. I've seen episodes of Alan Partridge that have made me cringe less than that moment did from episode 15. I we could argue back and forth on that particular moment and in fact we have and how much of it made it into the edit god only knows but all I've got to say is Luke keep off my doorstep. <laughs> it was dark. If I had a nickel. Anyway, uh, no, I'll be honest, that actually moment was on both my worst moment and my favourite moment (laughs) because it is cringe comedy. And I think the reason why it would qualify as a favourite moment for me is the sheer unrestricted glee on Dominic Diamond's face when all of this is kicking off. And he's just like, oh, this is great. I don't have to do anything. These guys are making television. These, you know, this this is making my life easy. We get to see it again as well because it's in the clip show in series five. No, my uh, my actual worst moment. I I didn't consider the kind of preempting of challenges that much because it was just part of them finding their feet. I'm kind of split between the awkwardness, the real awkwardness of the Natalie and Brulier challenge, mm-hmm. and I guess the three way host thing for the game show Twisted. It just didn't work, did it? I kind of don't want to pick on it because I know what they were going for and I think they did the best with what they had, but it just didn't flow that well. However, to me, all things pale to Imbrulier Gate. Natalie, I want to talk about the pressures of being a sex symbol. 
Oh gosh, I don't think of myself as a sex symbol. No, I was talking about me. Oh, sorry. Um, it's it's unfortunate, isn't it? Like you know, Dominic Diamond, you know, he said that he had prepped ahead of time the Model Combat interviewees, like Talisa Soto and things like that. If he'd have done it with Natalie and Brulia, it would have been a different matter. But you know, by Dominic's own admission in the interview that we did, he was too scared to talk to her before they did the challenge. So he just had to go in there and just be Dominic Diamond. Unfortunately, it's it's um yeah, it's a bit awkward, that isn't it? Bless her. Like I I think she's a sweetheart throughout, but man it, it is a, it is uncomfortable at times yeah she didn't know what she was getting into uh dominic was completely flawed you know she was dressed very wholesome kind of like with the dungarees and the shorter hair and stuff and like you know she looked children's presenter very very wholesome but also stunningly beautiful like even via an nth generation vhs copy she's just absolutely gorgeous and it's impressive that Dominic, who has shared that stage with a number of people he had somewhat blatant crushes on, got completely floored by her. So we'll round things off then of our awards by looking at the best moment. Because we like to be positive here on Under Consultation. So we always want to end off with our favourite moment from this series. And I had two here, one of which is a bit of a personal one. It's the story I've told in the podcast previously, which is that I was trying to take my notes for an episode, episode seven, in fact, and I didn't have my headphones. So I was just watching it blind. And I have got episode titles written out ahead of time because that's what I copy and paste when we sort of load it into ACAST and into Patreon. And it was just listed down as the final challenge of the FIFA challenge of the FIFA tournament, FIFA International Soccer. I thought, wow, that's weird because they've been playing FIFA 95. Why are we going back a generation and playing FIFA on the Mega Drive? That's bizarre. So when it came up that it was FIFA International Soccer on the 3DO, it was a genuine like, oh, brilliant. Oh, that's so much better. That that makes a whole lot of sense. So as a genuine thrilling moment to see FIFA on the 3DO being on that, I absolutely loved. And it was a perfect way to finish that off. But what I actually am going to award this for, my favorite moment of Series 4, it's Golden Bomberman from Episode 12. The challenge is weird because they are just playing against the computer. We've like sort of spoken with a few people who said that we were kind of debating why they did it this way and not just a four-way challenge. But we think it is just sort of playing against the computer on its hardest setting. You can only do that in one-on-one scenarios. But the visual of Golden Bomberman being there, it was way better than Baraka in uh, episode one. Loved Golden Bomberman on this series. I can't believe we actually hadn't mentioned Baraka up until this point because one credit I will give to Baraka is he does have some great lines yeah he does yeah like like you know, not, at has, not at all do we have trouble picking my nose no yeah you can shake my hand um i actually was had baraka down as one of my favorite moments because it is just wildly goofy and also so of its time mr baraka sir um is it okay to shake your hand mr baraka sir Okay, lovely. Thank you for coming on. We know you're a busy man. Um, let's take a look at these weapons you've got there, Mr. Bratter. Look at these. That's pretty scary. Um, bit of a problem picking the old nose, though, I'd imagine, though. Not at all. My favourite is, I think, a cop-out. Because it's not one favourite. It's many favourites. It is arguably the best helpers slash companions we're ever going to get on Games Master, past, present or future. It's the goblins who genuinely, their antics, their mannerisms, their little bit of background details they were doing, they made this series for me. Dominic was the perfect foil for them. He was the mean, overbearing boss. He had ruined their fun. 
But they'd also kind of be on his side because while he was doing his bit to camera, they'd be stealing all the goodies in the back. And then he'd shaft them by making them walk home while he got in a taxi. And then they had the best last moment. Just as they walk off the turn and the little wave to the camera. Breaks my heart, man. Breaks my heart. Yeah, every time the goblins were on screen doing something, I was smiling. There you go. We said we were going to start this off with some controversial thoughts of Series 4. None more controversial than goblins, greater than sign, angels. Too pious, that's angels' problems. So I guess then, I mean, that's going to wrap things up uh, for our awards. We do have one bit of feedback, though. Um, How do we want to tee up this bit of feedback? Well, we've had audio feedback from both of these individuals in the past. and. Full disclosure and no criticism to either of them. Both have been edited for various reasons. But then they drop this to us and we kind of looked at it and we're like, how how do we fit this into the feedback episode? Do we break it up into chunks? Do we kind of work it around? But no, we decided to go meta and kind of give you a podcast within a podcast. On one hand, you've got Cliff who has been supporting us since day one. He's also launched his own podcast, N64 Life and streaming and basically really doing a tremendous job and gaining a lot of traction. And then you've got Matty Boo, who's also been supporting us right from the beginning and as part of our Discord community has started streaming episodes of Games Master as part of his Sunday night stream that lines up with what we're going to be reviewing on the Tuesday. And it's wonderful. It's beautiful. None of this is stuff that we've really had anything to do with. It's all grown very organically out of the community that has built around this podcast. It's humbling. It's lovely. Like we can, you know, you've been on paternity leave. I've been dealing with some chaos in my day job. But this little community just continues to kind of support itself and build itself up. And it's it's wonderful. So these two have never recorded together before, to the best of my knowledge. And then they drop basically a mini podcast in our laps. I guess we just hand the floor over to them. I mean, it's just so bizarre. I mean, I did the... um... I did the feedback on my own without Adam, bless his cotton socks. And I just didn't feel right. And I thought, well, I mean, there's chances are Adam's going to be too busy this this for this series as well. Uh, is there some other schmuck I can drag in to be my, my wingman for this feedback? And I thought, do you know what? For the last several months now, we've been doing this whole Twitch thing, me just passing mm. the bat on to you. And it just seemed right. So, guys, for the first time ever to Nick from a certain company that will shall not be named, uh, yeah, you've got the pair of us for this feedback, you lucky devils. Oh, you! I can see you all just gleeing up or, or switching off. Either one. <laughs> They'll be fine, Cliff. They'll be fine, mostly because I'm here. I mean, if it was you, fair oh, enough, yeah, just true. turn off in their droves. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, let's go into it. Series four. It's done. I mean, how the hell was that 17 weeks? And not even just 17 weeks. I think we had, did we Did we have 18? Did we, we had the Donkey Kong special as well. So that was 18 weeks gone like that. Yeah, That's absolutely. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Um, so we came off of the back of one of the most controversial series there were of Games Master, Series 3. Um, as we know that a lot of people did not like 
poor Dexter Fletcher. However, we I think both of us at the end of both of our um, feedback last time around came to the conclusion it definitely wasn't Dex's fault. Absolutely not. As the furthest we went into the um, Series 3, the more I was emphatic in my belief that Dexter Fletcher did absolutely nothing wrong. I also believe in my feedback that my main concern and worry was once Dominic came back with a vengeance, uh, it would start rubbing me up the wrong way. And you know what, Cliff? It started rubbing me up the wrong way. I don't know if anyone actually noticed that when I was streaming it as a part of Matty Vision, but there was more than one occasion where I actually said, shut up, Dom. We, I said at the end of my feedback for Series 3 that maybe we look back at Season 4 or we were thinking of Season 4 with rose-tinted glasses uh, or spectacles, and I think we were because uh, we. it was already said um, at the end when they interviewed Dom that it's Dom times a hundred it was dom it was mecha dom uh taking over the show it was dom's show and i think that it didn't quite know what it wanted to be um and i think that with series four you you had this it, it didn't know what it wanted to be it didn't quite know what the format was yet of what it would be for series six series seven so it's oh sorry five six seven so it, it to me it was it was a production bloody nightmare. It was pretty much as much as season three itself was. You could see that sort of like not even midway through season four. You could see where they were passing on to links that didn't exist or they were putting in like them. Basically, Patrick Moore was the de facto go to for any kind of editorial screw ups because Dominic did all of his stuff. Then uh uh, Patrick Moore did his bits. As we know, Patrick Moore's bits were all recorded en masse as one file block. So it was like, oh, well, Dominic's done his bit. Let it fly. Let Patrick do his bit and say, well, actually, I'm drone tired of this. Let's do this instead, which is fine. But as a viewer looking, you go, oh, you could you could see something got covered up there. You could see something got covered up. And it just felt really, really frantic. Um, but not in the same way that no. season three did. Yeah, I agree. And I think season three they just tried to ram too much into a show. Every every episode seemed like, right, we've got to fit everything in. We can't cut anything. We've got to fit everything into this uh, little box of 22 minutes of recording time that we have. With season four, it felt almost the opposite. We need to get this into 22 minutes, but we're going to have to cut left, right and centre, take this completely out of order, take this almost right, it's not going to be feature here as you said it was you said it perfectly patrick moore was used as a plaster every time they had any production hoo-ha they went right he'll be all right we just put patrick saying something really really funny and then that will be the case of oh let's go on to let's go on to a feature where dom is going around a theme park in america you know it, it, it did very much feel like that and then there's some things that you knew that he must have cut down. I mean, there was uh, blatantly like one episode where instead of three reviews, we had a curtailed two. And that was because we had a longer than usual feature, which mm -hmm. in itself was a replacement of a challenge. So, I mean, <laughs> where can you go with that? I mean, never, never before did uh, something that was blatantly like 
meant to be like an hour long show got given just a like a like slimmed down to a half um and it's never going to change well until the new series comes along it's never going to change we're still going to have this problem where something that just needed to breathe instead just gets thrown in your face as this less than 30 minute show mm. and as as everybody knows in the discord in the streams in general I'm looking at this from a fresh perspective because I've legitimately never seen these episodes uh, since the first time I've seen them. Ever since at least since season three, I've always been in this situation where I've got next to no memories. For the most part, like Games Master was shown at a weird time on S4C, Welsh television, so I wasn't even watching it at the same time as England and the rest of the UK was. Uh, and I go, I've only, it was one and done with me. I only saw that episode once and then I'm seeing it again with fresh eyes now. So it all feels new to me with just a vaguest of vaguest memory. I have no idea why I'm going with this, but for me, it's like just watching this with a fresh perspective. Like young me and old me are two entirely different people. And this is where I'm going to get at with season four. Mm. Season four is the one that I remember enjoying the most as a kid. But me as a 41-year-old just can't abide by it. There's just things that rub me up the wrong way so so many times. Dom, bless him, gets on my wig. He gets on my wig. Uh, And I just felt that the series prior to series four was such a higher quality. On screen... Series 4 is beautiful. It Beautiful ent- intro, beautiful presentation of the Games Master, brilliant location, even though it's a reuse of Series 1, but we didn't know that. Um, everything about it is astounding, but then you look at it, and you look at its production foofars, and you look at the fact that even Dom himself said he... It was the one that the most that was the most him and Nergo he felt it wasn't the best. And I'm looking at that and I'm inclined to agree with him. It's it's interesting to think of, as you said, it was it was the most dom. Now, obviously we come spoilers for anybody that doesn't know, we come into season five and one thing disappears from season five, and that's the consultation zone. And at that point it's it's almost like they they they're trying to figure out how to make this show fit into half an hour. And I think that the features were the strong part. I, I'm glad that they did. It, it, in hindsight, you know, looking at the positives, we've, it was a production nightmare, yes. But the features in this series were fantastic. They definitely went up a notch. You know, they sent Dom here, there and everywhere. If that's to a HMV with the goblins, if that is to, you know, to America, to the... Se- I. I still remember to this day watching them go to the set of Mortal Kombat and getting a little bit sillily excited for the new Mortal Kombat movie. Um, I, I think the features definitely did step up. But at the same time, yeah, again, we're coming back onto the fact of that they were still trying to figure out what Games Master was. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a, like a caveat at the end of this by saying that season four needed to happen in order the season for season five to flourish. because. Mm-hmm. Dom obviously clearly wanted to change it in, in his own image, in his the way he wanted it. And by series five, when he gets more and more of a production into the production of it, mm. season five is pretty much how he wants the show to be. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he's running more on the script by season five, 
but the show is definitely molded in the way he wanted it to be. So in a way, season four is still very much like season three, a throw stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. And what sticks is features. What sticks mm. is Dom's newly acquired on-screen attitude. And of course, with series five onwards, you get more and more of the onset of Dom and his mates. Now, with that being said, I'm actually going to defend Dave Perry a little bit. Because I, put, I don't like Dave Perry. I'm no, you haven't made this clear. You haven't made this clear on every Matty vision. You really haven't. Really? I, I don't <laughs> like him. Don't like what he stands for. Don't like the, the overall sexism. I'm pretty certain I don't like him as a person. However, <laughs> there is an element of bullying right through Series 4, which you know he hasn't been clued in. You know that Dom's pulling faces behind his back. And you pretty much, what's on screen has got to be mirrored over what's happening behind the scenes as well. So, but to give him his due... You're not wrong. Dave Perry runs with it every single jibe he gets. At least in Series 4. Series 5, when his ego gets even more bloated, possibly, I don't know. We'll see. But in Series 4, there is an element of, okay, he's throwing a jibe at me. Let me take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. And for that, there's an interesting balance of chemistry there. Now, of course, by season six, you know where, where that ends up, literally down a slidey cliff. Hi, Cliff. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, N64s and cliffs never will work. Um, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you are right to an extent, um, but I, I always think back to what Dom said in his interview with Luke and Dash, and that was there was one man that took Games Master too seriously. That man was Dave Perry. Um, and I, I think back to that. And you, uh, yeah, you're right. It is almost high school bullying. We all had that individual in high school that would take something too seriously. And even if it was a friend, there was almost that laddish bully. It was bullying. Uh, fundamentally, that's what it was. And that's what was happening to Dave at that time. Um, it doesn't mess it make Dave less of a dick, in my opinion. But at the same time, you're right to say that. Yeah, I think it is unnecessary. But here we go. Are we all going to hell? Because I laughed every time Dob did pretend to fall asleep and uh, lose the will to live. And I, I am I going to? I'm going to hell, aren't I? Dude, you. There is a whole stream that shows me having a little giggle every time it <laughs> happens. <laughs> We're all going to hell together <laughs> because in my mind. It is what it is, you know. It is like it couldn't happen to a nicer chap, quite frankly. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> at the same time, I can see it for what it is, and it is blatantly bullying. Um, so it's a catch twenty two there. Um, Cliff, shall we move on to what we think was the worst and the best um, uh, guests? Because we are, yeah. we're just waffling on in the mouth right now. No, us too waffle. I don't believe it. Yeah. No, because guests. Do you know what? When we're on the thing of guests, a lot of people will know this. There's a couple of loves I have in this world. One of them is Southampton Football Club. One of them is Spider Man, The Walking Dead, Star Wars. But there's one other sport that I love, excluding wrestling, obviously. There's one sport that I love, and that is Formula One. Now. There was one man. So my first ever favourite 
was a man called um Ayrton Senna. Now, if you didn't know already, he died in 1994, which left a massive void in eight-year-old Cliff's life of who's his hero going to be? And this young Scottish driver stepped up and took that place, which was his replacement at McLaren, which was Mr. David Coulthard. Now, to see David Coulthard, it wasn't the best uh, challenge. It was, but to see him as a youngster on national television again, that filled me with a lot of bloody joy. <laughs> the selfish, very selfish thing. It is more likely just me that felt this. However, one of my favourite uh, drivers of all time, it was lovely to see him on, uh, on Games Master, a thing that I also love. Uh, I have a mountain of respect for Natalie and Boogie. I know that's going to be an unpopular oh. choice, but... There's a thing where, yeah, sure, she wasn't briefed on what Dom was going to be like. But then again, I don't think many of the actual guests were briefed at all as to what Dom was going to be like. I think mm. the whole time that's where the awkwardness came in. Um, so I've got some respect for Natalie for basically not putting up with his rubbish and shutting him down almost immediately. So fair dues to Natalie. Uh, with that being said, uh, Baraka aside, because I think Baraka is the best... <laughs> I think he was the best guest ever on Games Master. Uh, <laughs> but the second best guest on Series 4 of Games Master has to have been Buff Bagwell. Oh, Buff and the Patriot. God, I forgot all about that. Was is This is the fourth. So every series of Games Master, we've had at least one wrestler. So originally we had um, uh, British wrestler, um, Kawasaki. No, Kendo Nakasaki. Nakasaki. Sorry, Kendo Nakasaki. So we had Kendo Nakasaki. Then we had, um, obviously, um, uh, oh, why names? Uh, Duggan. Um, Axel Jim Duggan. Thank you. And yeah, British Axel Bulldog, Duggan, by the way. Yeah, on a VT. Um, <laughs> and then we had, um, obviously, Macho Man, which fundamentally was the best guest of Series 3. <laughs> that was the best one. Yeah, but Series 4, this was lovely. But at the same time, one, we just recently lost the Patriot. Yeah. Two, Buff Bagwell has been highly documented, even on UCP, about how that man has been through a bit of a rocky patch. So it was a bit of a sweet one, but it was a nice, it was a, lovely to have them on the show. And you know what? Anybody that almost makes uh, Dominic Diamond cack his pants <laughs> by calling his bluff and almost performing a wrestling manoeuvre on him yeah. uh, gets my vote, even though he might turn out to be a horrible human being. I don't care. For that briefest, the briefest moment, Marcus Alexander Bagwell almost made Dominic <laughs> Diamond shit his pants. <laughs> do, do you know one guest that did make me shit my pants and that was because i think his stare was looking into my soul and that was the golden bomber man oh crikey yes it was creepy with his expressionless face staring completely into your soul uh, lastly with this is that this is the end of the 16-bit era series hmm. four for it's all its faults is almost the death of the 16-bit era. We're going to go into the 32-bit era now with the Saturn, with the PlayStation, just around the corner. Well, launched technically um, it, uh, abroad, but going to be landing on UK shores and becoming more and more popular um, as this Series 5 goes on. Um, 
it's doesn't it feel weird that we started on a bit and now we're already on 32 it the the velocity in which we've reached this point is absolutely blowing my mind each and every time mm-hmm. we watched an episode of games master i mean i go back and i've got like the my strongest memories will always be of series one because i watched it once I taped it, so I watched it twice. It was on repeat, so I watched it three times. And then it was on challenge, so I've watched it in my life at least four times, the whole of series one. So that will always be embedded in my brain. But it still blows my mind that we went from that to getting adverts for the PlayStation and Ridge Racer and all that other stuff in the span Mm -hmm. of less than four years. It's it's bonkers, absolutely bonkers to turn around. And in Series 5, we will see the first real glimpses. And we obviously have heard, heard the tremors of what will be the Ultra 64 and the N64. We actually see the first shots of that console next series. That is mind-blowing because it doesn't really become a thing until right at the death of games master which you know i'm sure there's another podcast out there that will go through the history of the n64 that will uh more more go into that um so go and listen to that one but i i think that that baffles me to go from us talking about games being released on the master system to now almost released on the n64 in four years is just mental (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, if uh, if such a podcast exists, I mean, what I recommend they should do, you know, oh. they should get like one cartridge and another cartridge, and they should make, <laughs> battle it out between them for some kind of jinjo. Uh, but you know, I digress. I'm sure that short that sort of podcast exists, but personally, I've never heard of it. No, it would never take off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you know what? I've just got to say one thing before we go, and that's thank you to you. Because every... So if I, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast might do the same, is that we watch a the episode before we listen to Luke and Ash. And I think that over the last... This series, when you've created Matty Vision, and I think you've created a really lovely space for me and a lot of the people that are listening to this to go and listen to and watch that episode before going to listen to the podcast on the Tuesday. So I really want to say, Matty, thank you so, so much. You have you've made my Sunday afternoons a lot more of a brighter place. So thank you, mate. And uh, just so you know, Cliff, your fiver is indeed in the post. (laughs) (laughs) but no uh absolutely uh guys thank you very much i'm i'm i have no idea how long this recording session is i'm past, i think we've broken me and adam's uh recording session um, uh, i'll be editing all my waffle out so it's gonna... <laughs> you're more likely to find it's half of what you remember <laughs> oh well but anyway guys it's over to you it should be noted that when cliff sent that across to us uh he told me I edited that down from 30 minutes to 20. So cheers, Cliff. Uh, Thanks very much for that. Uh, (laughs) It may still be 20 minutes when you've heard it. We may clip a few little bits out just to avoid too much repetition. But I'm slightly baffled that we've technically had a kind of a mini podcast that not only reviews Series 4 Games Master, but also reviews us a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's that's something I never expected at the start of this, is to be reviewed in ourselves. Well, speaking of things that we weren't expecting, how's that for a segue? Smooth like butter. <laughs> it's lined up quite nicely, but 
series four has come to an end. We are not jumping straight into series five. Of course, there's the gore special, but there is also the small matter of series eight of Games Master, which is starting basically in the downtime between series four and series five. So your November and December schedule of this podcast in the free feed is going to be dominated by series eight. Next week's episode is going to be a special bonus episode that Ash and I recorded when we went to the taping of Games Master. We saw the what we think is the third episode being taped. We were there for the third day, basically. And then after that, we have got some interviews with cast members, people behind the production. And then we've got reviews of the episodes themselves, the wrap-up for Series 8. And that kind of actually takes us through to about the end of the year. We're going to have our usual Christmas special. And then we'll get into Series 5 probably around sort of February time because something else is happening in January, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, Ash, Series 8 of Games Master. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it indeed? At the time that we're recording this, we are less than 24 hours on from when Trevor McDonald was announced as a new Games Master, which now the name's been said, I'm just like, of course. Of course, you want someone that's play that's got an air of playfulness to them, but is also known for their gravitas and their seriousness. And that was Trevor. That was news at 10. That absolutely makes sense. I love I, it. I cannot wait to see how his persona as the Games Master fits into what we saw being recorded. And whether or not he responds to us. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye out. You, we may be making our televisual debut as part of Games Master during Series 3. We genuinely don't know if we will. No, we talk about that a little bit more in next week's episodes. But just to say, we have a rough idea of when the first episode is due to drop. However, you may suddenly find yourselves getting detoured to talk, us talking about the European launch of the Saturn or the PlayStation if we find we have to fill a couple of extra weeks. During the reviews of Series 8, the Patreon feed will still get the episodes ad-free, but they won't be a week early. It will just be as soon as they're ready. And then the episodes for the free feed will drop with adverts as close to the day of television broadcast as possible. Yeah, because Series 8 is airing first on YouTube and then on E4. And sort of rumblings that we have heard, we think we're going to be dropping it. Basically, we're going to watch the YouTube version of it and then drop the episodes when they air on E4. So we still technically hit their official transmission date. And also it does give us, hopefully, a couple of days to actually turn these episodes around. So we can still make it feel as much like under consultation as possible. It's, yeah. it's going to be intense. It is, yeah. But it's going to be a lot of fun, though. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Series 8 and seeing it all come together. And you know, we, we talk about it a lot more in next week's episode, which I'm really excited for you to hear as well, because Ash and I recorded some of it in person. We recorded some of it over Zoom. But man, what a fun day it was. And it's going to be really fun to relive that via the podcast again. Absolutely. And also to see how what we saw being recorded translates into the finished episode. Never thought we'd be doing this. But that is not only uh, our big bit of news because the Gore special is hanging over Series 4. We wanted to do the Gore special before we got to Series 5. So, Ash, what is our plan for the Gore special? Mark your calendars the 14th of January 2022. Under consultation, live will be happening, bar incident. 
And we will be celebrating our second birthday as a podcast and also covering the most infamous full episode of Games Master, The Gore Special. More details to be released soon, but put it in the calendar now, Friday the 14th of January, 2022. I can safely say that unless something disastrous happens, it will be in Croydon, South London. And I will be there. Luke will be there. There'll be a screening of the episode followed by a live podcast recording. There may be other hijinks. We've still got time to work things out. But tickets will hopefully be on sale soon. Yeah, I'm super, super excited for that. It's something that you and I have been kind of like planning for a little while anyway, because even when we came, we decided not to do the Gore special in the usual Series 4 formats or the Series series 4 runner, should say, before we did the wrap up. And part of that was because we thought maybe that could be a live episode. And, you know, I, I've been on paternity leave for a little while. So it's kind of like plans have been on the, the boiler for a little bit. But now that we're off the boil, and I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun, which means then, you know, that episode will be in the free feed on the 25th of January, which means series five, we will kick off in February, which seems mad to say because it's, you know, only the end of October now, the 1st of November when you uh, hear this. It's in three months away that we're doing series five, but we will get there. Don't you worry. We'll, we'll get to heaven eventually. We will. And we've got a few extra stops along the way. We're going back to the Book of Dreams for Christmas. We've got a few extra bits and pieces to throw in. It's going to be a fun old time with new content, new Games Master and a live show. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this special wrap-up episode to Series 4. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for following us on Twitter, on Instagram. Thanks for following us wherever you're currently listening to this from. If you want to hear that day trip out to the Games Master reboot now, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod, where at the £5 level, you do get next week's episode one week early and ad free and you will get all of our series 8 stuff ad free as well and you can also join us over on our discord to talk about the new series ash tell us a little bit more about that discord as we speak cliff is saying he's not angry he's just disappointed sean is being banished to the pit we have our own pit over on the discord where all the dad jokes and memes end up and it has become a really beautiful and vibrant community i genuinely don't take many positives away from the past year and a half and what's happened with the world. But the way that Discord community has pulled together is definitely one of them. I don't know if it would have happened if life had just been ticking along as normal. So when I look back on this period of time and I think about the negatives, I'll also have some positives and genuinely this podcast and the community around it and that Discord is going to be one of them. Details on how you can join us over there can be found on our show notes and on social media. But that is going to wrap it up for this wrap-up episode. We will see you next week as we voyage into uncharted waters of Series 8 of Games Master. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.